How's it going? I'm Coco. And I am Mike. And this is Rockin' Vino, the podcast where we talk about wine and music and how the two go so well together. And we're doing that again today. And yes, you can find the podcast all over the place. You can find us at rockinvino.com. And you can find us twice a month featured at riffmagazine.com. At Rock and Vino on Twitter, on Instagram, all the fun places. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe to the, uh, the email newsletter because then you can find out about new episodes and fun wine and music things. <laughs> And new as of this week, you can also find us on Spotify podcasts. All the places. All of the places. <laughs> if you can't find us, it's your own fault. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, today we're talking with the amazingly, I mean, multi-talented lights today. Yes. Yes. I I might fanboy a little bit. I hate <laughs> I to admit that. I don't blame you. I'm going to fangirl because <laughs> she is phenomenal. So, um, yeah. yeah. A, a list of... Titles and talents that we could go for the next half hour uh, listing off all the things she does. But a very impressive lady and also likes wine. She's come through the Bay Area a number of times during her national tours. She's played the Fillmore. She's played the Regency, Great American Music Hall, all the big local venues. Uh, but last year, I remember looking through my Instagram feed and seeing her playing in what looked like a wine cave. And I thought, what? What's going on here? And turns out she was actually playing as a part of the Live in the Vineyard show that happens in Napa here uh, every year. So it was such a surprise to see that. I was like, wow, got to get down there. What's that winery? So it's a pleasure to be able to have her join us now. Yeah, so let's get into the interview. <laughs> Joining us now is a multi-talented Canadian singer-songwriter. In addition to music, she's also an artist, an illustrator, a comic book author. I think she does everything. She's a multi-time Juno Award winner. Latest album and comic book series, Skin and Earth, is available now. She is Lights. Lights, thanks for taking this time. Of course. Thanks for that awesome intro. I'm <laughs> sure. really good about myself. So uh, let's kind of set this up from the, from the beginning of your album cycle, I guess, is, the, is a good place to start. Um, you did something kind of unique creatively uh, with this one. Uh, not only did you record the album, but you also you recorded it kind of as a companion to the the Skin and Earth comic that you also created. Uh, so you know, not only were you creating this album, you were also kind of creating this entire world around it. Uh, you know, how did that develop as a concept for you? Uh, it, yeah, it, it was it's fun to do something different, and I think you know it's my fourth record, and I wanted to. It's been a dream of mine to create comics for a long time, and I've always tried to try to frame a way to, to merge that with music, merge that dream with music. And I knew I'd have to start from the ground up, from the, like, even before the first song was written for a record, in order to be able to tie it in the way that I wanted to. And um, just kind of went in blind, not really knowing what I was doing, but just knowing it was something I always wanted to try. And it took a lot of research and a lot of YouTube webinars and tutorials <laughs> and reading a thousand books and reaching out to a thousand people and just learning, learning how to pull a project like this together that I'd never really seen done. Um, but it really came down to this, this little, very down, this very simple story I wanted to tell. At the beginning, it was like just a couple lines, and I'd bring that into songwriting sessions and uh, write songs that sort of explain the feeling of the story and, and the emotions and the like sonic landscapes of this cinematic thing that was in my head. And it actually helped me talk about some things that I never really unlocked. Uh, in terms of songwriting, it sort of directed the sessions and helped us come up with stuff that maybe we wouldn't have come up with in a session without sort of the catalyst of the storyline. So it was just like a just totally liberating new pathway um, to create music. And it was just so much fun. And 
I was figuring it out as I went, honestly. Like, I had no idea how it was going to turn out. Initially, it was like, oh, this is going to be 25 pages, done and done, like a little <laughs> companionship to this to this music. And as the story evolved, it was like, oh, it's going to be like a couple issues. Oh, it's actually going to be six issues. Actually, the six <laughs> issues is going to be like this double issue, and it's going to be the beginning of a bigger story. So it became this really big thing. But I think the important thing was for me in this project was, uh, despite the fact that together they make this augmented piece of, you know, mixed media um, the music stands alone, and it's something that you you don't have to know that there's a storyline that goes with it, and that goes for the comic, too. If it's sitting on a comic book shelf, you don't have to necessarily know that there's music that goes with it, but if you buy the graphic novel, there's scannable QR codes that, on each chapter page, take you to each song that's tied to that chapter, and it's just this awesome, like, I've just never seen a project like this before, you know? <laughs> it's fun to do. <laughs> now, as a songwriter... Did you find that writing songs about characters that may not necessarily have been you know, your own personal experience was that sort of a new avenue for you to for as a songwriter for you know things to write about or you know the, the songs you were creating? Well, it, it, interestingly enough, the character is a facet of myself. I think I was able to say a lot through her. Um, the way I wrote her ended up being a lot like like I sort of view myself, I guess. Or, or learning a lot about myself in the process. She's sort of like this, sort of like somewhat insecure, self-deprecating, still learning about everything, <laughs> learning about her strengths, kind of like kind of nerdy, this kind of girl, but in a dystopian environment, right? So obviously it's a fictional character, but has a lot of my my characteristics. And she's um, your alter so ego? Right through her, kind of, yeah. Like me nice. and, I always say me in an alternate universe, because, you know, if I was raised in this world, I'd probably turn out to be exactly like she is <laughs> but, so writing through her was essentially writing for myself and every song is written about a personal thing it just created a catalyst to write about it um like there's a song savage on the record and it was when it's when she's really angry and it's actually i don't get to write angry songs very often i think i limit myself in terms of what i allow myself to write because if i were to write an angry song people would then wonder what you're angry about and look into your to all these things that, that you could possibly be talking about. So it makes you kind of sort of withhold on some topics so that people don't overread into your personal life in some ways. But that's not to say I don't get angry. I don't have those experiences. <laughs> so it actually created the opportunity for me to write these songs I never got to write. You know what I mean? So it, it, it was just, it was awesome to be able to, to approach it that way. But that said, you know, like when I was younger, just breaking into music, I was doing a lot of songwriting for other other things and one of them was this show called instant star which is the same people who made degrassi like it's sort of like a, it was a canadian television show and this show i actually auditioned for the part years ago never got it the lead character and she's like a musician and by the fourth season i was writing songs for the, for the show and uh it was kind of, kind of funny because they sit you down and they talk about the season and talk about where the character is during this part of the story and you can you start and kind of have to write from her perspective so I've had experience sort of writing third person before, and it's really fun. It, it's just a cool opportunity to look outside of yourself and outside of your own uh, walls that you build for yourself and just write from someone else's perspective. That's awesome. And so so kind of speaking of the TV show, your comic is going to become a TV show. Is that correct? Yeah. We, we uh, made a deal with Entertainment One. That's very um, and cool. We're taking early steps to turn this into a show. It's kind of crazy. And is that TV show, is it going to be um, kind of like a, a comic? Is it going to be animated or is it going to have like real character? Like it'll real be live action. Live action. When, okay. When, awesome. If and when it happens, it'll be live action. Very <laughs> These awesome. These things are so long lead, you know, like 
we're just in the early stages of literally trying to lock in um, a writer, a show writer. We've got a producer and we have a director sort of that we have in mind. But it's, again, one of those things that there's so many things that have to fall into place. The funny thing about creating a comic is you just need to, I mean, a few comics have uh, a, a lot of creators on board, but for the most part, like, I did, I did this all by myself. Yeah. I did all the lettering, all the art, all the, all the writing. And that, that's sort of zero dollar investment, zero people's time, except for my own and my own vision, mm-hmm. which was a lot of work. But all that to say, like, I did it all on my own, whereas something like the show obviously takes a lot of money and a lot of people involved. So who, who knows? I don't know. I wish I could control it all and just make it happen now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be seeing that soon. And will that be, I mean, I know it's kind of early, but do you think that would be available in the States as well or just over in Canada? I would assume you would... I actually have no idea. I would assume, like, you know, when you're pitching the networks, the network kind of makes that call. But we haven't even started pitching to networks yet. Nice. Now, in terms of the the creation of it, I mean, do you get do you get some amount of like creative license or control as to how? I mean, it's like you said it's so early on. I mean, are, are you kind of overseeing at the top of it? Uh, what? Um, how, yeah. how do you play into that? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be um, on as sort of key creative element consultant, creating, writing, creating characters, and uh, executive producing. So uh, though I probably won't have any like you know, final approvals or anything, I think I'll be on to just come up with ideas for the show and make sure everything sort of stays true to the vision of the original story. I do know that with, with shows and stuff, um, new stuff gets added all the time. I think like Take Walking Dead, two of the most popular characters, Daryl and Merle, we're not in the original comics, right? So there's going to be a lot of changes and additions to the show and to the story and to the characters. So it's kind of exciting. I mean, I, I, I sit around and make stuff up and have a lot of fun doing it and seeing where it goes is kind of amazing. That's super awesome. And so I saw one of your quotes um, talking kind of about um, Skin and Earth, saying that it kind of is a convergence of everything that you love, music, comics, post-apocalyptic romance crystals, wine, and powerful ladies. So my question for you is where does wine come into this? Because I love wine too and everything else as well. <laughs> well, it's just, it's like a very uh, peripheral to the story, but in a lot of the visuals of the main character and in her house and her room when she's studying or when she's sitting around, like there's just wine everywhere. Awesome. <laughs> she loves wine. And very so cool. do I. So it's kind of like me. Nice. <laughs> what kind of wine do you like to drink? What's your favorite? Well, currently, and I get in front of for this a lot, but I currently love Moscato. Oh, okay. Sweet, like wine, that sweet white wine. Yeah. They're chilled, obviously. Um, I go through my phases of wine, though. This is my current total fave. So Awesome. And um, have you been to wine country before? Yeah. Um, well, we, we have our own wine countries in Canada, so we've been to those a few times. Oh, that's right. Right, right, right. And, uh, yeah, the Okanagan, which I'm not too—I actually don't live too far from. Uh-huh. But uh, been, went to Napa near your zone uh, at the end of last year for some radio uh, radio conference, essentially playing for some radio people, mm-hmm. and it was pretty epic. We played in like this cave, essentially, but there's just like barrels of wine, like buried in the mountain, and it was just very cool and ambient and special. And it was sort of right around, right after the fires had ripped through, mm-hmm. around I guess what they were calling the Ring of Fire. Post a lot, post apocalyptic, we if you will. <laughs> it was actually pretty scary. Like, uh, where we were it was fine, but all, all in the hills all around us was all black. Yeah, and it was like a little intense. I mean, obviously we missed the scary part of it, but yeah, it's crazy for sure. Now, the other big project you've been working on in the past few months, uh, you 
surprise release the entire album of uh, <laughs> covering Drake's uh, Scorpion Side B. Yeah. Now, recording, I mean, arranging and getting it all recorded sounds like that would be a pretty intense process. I think I read you did it in five days. How did yeah. how did that come about? Where did you get the idea for that? I, I've covered Drake stuff for a long time. I just love his the way he sings sort of out of the pocket and the melody choices and his lyrics. And I didn't like a lot about it. So I ended up covering his music a lot. So I, I always in the back of my mind was like, okay, I'm going to cover an entire, his entire record when it comes out next. So I was waiting for his next record to come out kind of thing. And when he announced it, um, I was like, okay, this is, this is my goal. I got to cover this, at least one of these sides. Cause one side of his record is actually the length of a full record, it's like 13 songs on one side. Um, I'm like, I got to cover this within two weeks of it coming out. That's just my goal. It's my own personal goal, you know? Wow. And uh, I was actually in Ottawa doing Canada Day stuff, so I missed the first couple of days. and was like, damn it, but I was sort of mapping out the session. I was listening to the music. And then I got home and pretty much holed up in my garage studio and built that thing in five days. Um, just on my own, engineered, produced, recorded, performed all of it. But I had a good time. It wasn't grueling. Like, it was just fun to do something different and think outside the box. And it's, it's always, it's like a master class in somebody else's tone and somebody else's pocket. And it was a master class in Drake, Drake's music. And it was really fun to do. And I learned a lot actually. And I was so proud of how it came out. Like it was just fun to do. <laughs> I just love his stuff. Do you, did, uh, do you know if Drake has ever has heard it? Oh, I doubt it. Well, it was interestingly enough. We like, I put it out on, SoundCloud and the reception was really good so we actually got clearances to put it on streaming sites but then uh, we ended up having be told to take it down. Oh, bummer. Yeah, it's such a bummer. Come on, Drake. Not as easy to find. Where's (laughs) the love? That's what makes me feel like. (laughs) Right, I know. Um, Which what didn't come from him, I'm sure. I don't even know if he ever heard it in the first place but his team is just so massive. You just never know what you're going to get with them. Yeah. It's It's not wrong to cover music and put it out so it's too bad. I was hoping more people would be able to find it more easily. Either way, I put the the link, uh, the download link out on my site. It's going to be on my site, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the resourceful fans can can still find the link yeah. for it either way. They're going to exactly. get it. Exactly. I think, I think I'm in the process of trying to put it up on my site just so, so people can listen to it and get the files. <laughs> Nice. Now, uh, this fall, uh, jumping on the road with Young the Giant, and I mean, yeah. a- along with that, it, it always seems like you have something sort of creatively up your sleeve. So, wh- where do you want to go from here? What, what do you see over the next uh, next few months for you? Well, we've got a couple. I've got a couple collabs coming out. Um, one that I can talk about is only because he tweeted about it. It's the only reason I had to say about Dead Mouse. Uh, nice. We have a song coming out with Dead Mouse. He, he's a badass. Like. It's a really special, cool, like different song, and um, he, he tweeted uh, right after I sent it to him. He tweeted about it, and I was like, "All right, I guess I can talk about this song." So um, that's that's something I don't know when that's exactly coming out, but that's something to look forward to. And I'm writing the next arc of the comic. Always working on the music. I'm actually working on the acoustic counterpart to Skin and Earth as well, which is sort of a oh. long lead thing because it's pretty uh, pretty involved. I've actually in order to sort of make the acoustic counterpart of Skin and Earth feel like it's part of the, the world that I built, um, I'm actually seeking out locations from the corresponding uh, locations within the comic where that song will take place and actually recording in that environment. Wow. So, for example, wow. skydiving takes place on, a, for the most part, on a cliff in the story, that chapter. 
So I actually tracked on a cliff. I found this like really epic cliff, and we were actually filming and tracking, so you can hear the environment and the music. And it's just a way to make you feel like you're there. You can hear like the wind a little bit. It's been fun too because I was I'm producing and, and engineering all of it, and get and sort of getting to do that plus balancing it out with building in environment sounds. I've never done that, <laughs> sort of mixing that in. It's kind of fun. So that to look forward to and working on the show. And there's always something going on. Wow. Now, with I mean, you sort of referenced it before. With each of uh, the last albums you've released, you've kind of released a uh, acoustic counterpart with it. Do, do you see that as kind of a way to round out each era, sort of uh, adding that extra bit, little yeah. bonus? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I think there's a degree of that for sure. It started out sort of just based on fan demand. I see people online liking acoustic stuff, so would release acoustic versions. And now it seems sort of like the standard, like this is the next part before the era is over kind of thing. Um, but it also is a fun way to get to know the music and hear it a different way and just show the multi, uh, emotion of a, of a song. I think there's, that's part exactly what I liked about the Drake cover album is you, you hear something different when you hear the song a different way mm-hmm. and suddenly you pick up on lyrics. Maybe you didn't notice before, or you get like, uh, when I sang all those, all his songs back, it was actually pretty empowering because I didn't change any of the pronouns. So I'm thinking about women as this really cool, empowering feeling in a lot of ways. It's uh, it's Skin and Earth. It's the album. It's the comic. It's the graphic novel. It's the soon-to-be TV show. It's uh, <laughs> You can get them in stores now. Uh, catch Lights on the Road with Young the Giant this fall and look for the new acoustic album and collaborations coming soon. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, guys. You're awesome to talk to. Thanks thank for you. Yeah, thank you. You were awesome as well. <laughs> we're excited to, to see the to see the this the live action TV show come into play. Oh yeah, man! Who knows when? But when it comes, I know it's going to be amazing. So look out for that. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Very cool. Our thanks to Lights for taking the time to join us. That was really awesome. I love her. I just think she's amazing. And one thing that we forgot to talk to her about was the fact that she recorded one of her songs in like what five different languages. Oh, right. It, it, the song Giants t- t- took the, I believe it took the chorus of the song. It might have been the full song. I'm not sure. But yeah, recorded in five or six different languages. Just, I can't imagine how difficult that I would be. I know. I mean, she's an artist. She's a comic book writer, a singer, maybe an actress. I don't know. She does a lot of, you know, acting. It may as well be. We'll put, it's probably videos. coming soon. <laughs> and, you know, talking in different languages. Dude, I don't know. I don't know when she sleeps, but she's multi-talented. I'm, an, I, I'm a fan. I'm tired just thinking about it. <laughs> That's too many jobs. Yeah. So, um, cool. Well, um, so just kind of changing uh, changing things up here, we're going to also talk about something really rad that Mike just did. Yes. So, um, Mike went a little bit farther than Canada. He went all the way over to Leeds. Leeds, England. England. The UK. England. The UK. I love it. Yeah, one of the <laughs> it, it's companion festivals. So it's the Reading and Leeds Festival. Reading is like the original rock festival mm-hmm. of. There's like twelve thousand of them now, but I believe it was back in the sixties. Uh, this was basically the original, and all all ones that followed are sort of followed this model. Oh, really? Uh, this is the OG this, festival? This is the OG festival. So wow. not the, the one I went to was Leeds, which it became so big, they sort of broke off a companion festival, uh, which is sort of the, to the north of the country, uh, in 99. 
just because it's so many people. I mean, it's 90, both venues hold 90,000 people a day and sell out every year. So That's amazing. It, and it was, the, the weather did not look very fun, though, I have to say. Now, if you check out riffmagazine.com, I uh, actually put a piece up there. It broke down all the differences that I saw personally between the American festival experience and the UK festival experience. So if you go to riffonline.com, you can check out more uh, of what I saw while I was there. So, Reading, the weather generally holds up. It's near London. It's usually cloudy, uh, you know, cloudy, partly sky, partly skies, partly cloudy skies. Uh, <laughs> Leeds is a different story. Oh. Leeds is like our Seattle. Oh, gosh. Where the seasons change many, many, many a time, and they are known for their rain. And apparently, Friday, Saturday were very nice. I went Sunday, <laughs> and uh, Sunday I learned what... Uh, what a rainy festival is all about. So that was a good time. And uh, do you have any tips and tricks for those that get stuck I in that do. kind of a situation? I now? do. Uh, a plan ahead. Uh-huh. Did you bring? Uh, did you bring booties? Some I did. Mock- or They're known as wellies, wellies. in England. My wellie boots. Uh, pro- you know, I read in advance, so I knew that this was a possibility. So <laughs> I had. I was all prepped with my little rubber wellies, which I will say are not the best for festival going. Oh, it was blisters for weeks. Oh, no. Uh, it was very painful. Uh, wellies and a poncho. And Big a poncho. Gen- yeah, and that, that generally, I mean, it, was, it wasn't like torrential downpour, but it was, it was solid rain for the first seven hours. Wow. Well, okay, so diehard fan. So who did you see? It was a stacked lineup, oddly mm-hmm. of all like American acts, which was kind of funny. Uh, the, <laughs> the headliner that day was Kendrick Lamar. Uh, Panic at the Disco was there. Uh, Dua Lipa, I guess, English act. I can't say American there. Uh, the great Mike Shinoda. Yes. Mr. Mike Shinoda. Mike Shinoda. Uh, Papa Roach. Uh, just a legendary set from Papa Roach. That was insane. And then didn't, wasn't there like a surprise performance? There was. Bring Any, Me the Horizon? Uh, uh, Bring Me the Horizon were on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so and, this, oh. the festival's known for also just last minute ads. So mm-hmm. Bring Me the Horizon just showed up and played on Saturday. Uh, NERD showed up and played on oh, Sunday. cool. Uh, cool set from them. Uh, yeah, it was uh, two... Uh, Two English bands I will uh, fill you in on. One you know, one you probably don't. Uh, I actually didn't even think of them as an English band. Skindred. Oh, yeah, they on, are. Totally. From Wales mm-hmm. on, the, on the main stage were incredible. Yeah, they're phenomenal, I, those guys. I under uh, I underestimated them. Have you I never seen them live before? I have not. Really? Nope. Oh, dang, you were missing I, out. I remember when they sort of had their rise here. I remember it's like reggae, it's like reggae, and it's rock, and yeah. that's confusing, and I don't know about that. They performed, like, like right in there. That's that's right, right down, in, in the right studio down, down the hall. Down the hall. Yeah. That's crazy. They did. I missed out. I will take full blame for that. <laughs> uh-huh. no, they had like people ready to riot in the streets. It was crazy. Absolutely. I was shocked. Uh, and another band opened up the day uh, was a band called Trash Boat. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, I wish I could say the city they were from, but I don't remember. It's a, a very small town in England somewhere. But um, they apparently played on the last Warp tour and were opening the main stage at Leeds that day. Uh, I would compare them to a day to remember. No, which, that's right in my wheelhouse. Yep, I, I love was them. Right in your wheelhouse. But yeah, Im- impressive sets all around. Okay. Uh, a few. I did notice a few differences, which uh, I thought were kind of funny in, okay. in festivals we see here. Uh, number one, cell phones. Yeah. Almost none. 
Really? Like, you know, the big artist comes out and like here, everyone just throws the cell phone in the air and starts recording video. Uh-huh. Not at all there. That's like, none awesome. Of it. Um, yeah, it, it, there it's all about like, Singing. Actually experiencing the, exactly. the, the day like and the singing band. and dancing and <laughs> what a going <laughs> hard. Um, <laughs> well, and it's so funny you mentioned that because I've heard from from other you know American bands that have performed overseas, and the one thing that they say is just when they perform overseas, like in England or wherever, um, the crowd just gets so unbelievably unbelievably into it. They love it. I I can confirm this. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I, I think a lot of festivals here have sort of broken their audiences into classes, I guess is a way to put it, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, tickets and offers they make. Uh, there, there are none. Mm. You are either at the festival or you are not. <laughs> there, so there's like no VIP VIP section. is not a thing. There's wow. no, there's Everybody's no areas cordoned off. Everyone is a VIP. <laughs> uh, no upgraded tickets, no special areas, no culinary pairings. <laughs> uh, nothing like that. It just, it, everyone shows up, goes to their given stage, and sees the bands they want to see, and it, which makes it for the artists that everyone wants to see, uh, it makes it a little intense because everyone's going for the same spots. It's and like, now, holy. are there multiple? Like, how many stages are there, and how far apart are they from each other? Because when you look, when I was watching it online, I mean, just that crowd, the sea of people, just looked massive. There are like nine stages. Uh, of varying sizes, all of the side stages are all under big like circus tents, mm. which I think cut the noise so that you don't have cross talk between the two stages. Uh, yeah, big giant circus tents, uh, all again varying in sizes. Also, some like big second stages, some like smaller. Like the stage Papa Roach was on was a smaller okay. kind of hard rock stage they were on, and they had that tent packed. Uh, but it's also really uh, very much a carnival atmosphere and a circus. Mm. It's it's like the county fair on steroids. Like there's circus rides everywhere that you would see at the county fair. The, those similar kind of rides they all light up at night, and um, uh, yeah, lots of food vendors um, all over the place. Again, carnival games. Any weird food? Surprisingly, no. Okay. Uh, I had a hot dog. Oh, no, a cheeseburger that oh. was not fantastic. Oh, bummer. Like most of the food I had was good. Bet you were wishing for those culinary pairings yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. Could use culinary pairings. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, that's cool. I mean, it sounds like fun. Would you do it again? Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah, would absolutely, absolutely out there. Just a very cool experience and a different way to experience music from, from what we see here. Uh, yeah, just the, the some cultural differences, and but everyone enjoys music the same. So good, yeah. I'll have to add that to my Very bucket cool. list. Go yes. overseas and see. Actually, it's already on my bucket list. Go overseas and see a show. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, Mike. Excellent. All right. Next week. Next week, we'll <laughs> tune in. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Rock and Vino. Across, leave a message on the bus. Full moon howling, let's go prowling. Spend some time, burn the money. Yeah, we gonna coast through. Shit, we got into. I'm not good, not tryna be. Yeah, we got issues. Take a flag with you. Just up, messed up, put on a show. So the whole damn world's gonna know that we were here.